As we open our Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Luke, the 17th chapter. The text of our message is in verses 11 through 19. And you'll be familiar with the substance of this text, which is about Jesus healing the ten lepers. Beginning at verse 11, I read, Now on his day to Jerusalem, on, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to uh, return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Father, as we look into your word together this morning, our hearts are gladdened as we see a new life being dedicated to you, parents who know full well their responsibility, and that gladdens our hearts even more. For when anyone accepts challenges such as this, the raising of a new life, and fulfills their responsibility, the joy is looking back and seeing the 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 distance that's been traveled and the end result, which in our hearts we know will be a glad, glad thing. We also know, Lord, that when we make choices that are right on any area of our life and choose to follow the path that those choices uh, have determined, that the end result with you will be a good one. And we pray this morning that you may speak into our hearts Truth, Lord, that will affect us, encourage us, and strengthen us for making right choices today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Such a situation is the case that the scripture is talking about today, where there were ten who were with a death sentence on their life. They had leprosy. And uh, in most cases, leprosy in that day was a definite death sentence. And uh, it was a slow and painful death in most cases where body parts just stopped functioning and gradually either dried up or just dropped off. And that's only one form of it. But uh, it was not pleasant. And at the same time, to be a believer in the Lord, and and picture yourself in this situation, to be a believer in the Lord, but have to stand back at a distance, not to be able to come up and touch him, to talk to him personally, as you know him today, but to have to stand back at a distance and say, unclean, 
unclean. And then to hope that your voice could be heard over the noise of the crowds around Jesus all wanting to be touched by him or to touch him. Unclean. Jesus, have mercy on me. Perhaps some are in that status today where you feel at a distance from the Lord. And perhaps at the same time, there's a sense that you have a very great need. Let me say to you this morning, it doesn't matter what your need is. Jesus is capable of meeting that need. I remember the snake bite that Bud got. Happened in a very innocent way. It was an accident. He wasn't playing with a rattlesnake. But a neighbor had called him over to check out a snake that had been a baby snake, a very small one that had been found in their backyard. They lived right next to an arroyo. And uh, if my story's not straight, the intention is to keep it straight. So anyway. But anyway, he, he looked at it and he said, no, that's not a rattlesnake. And he picked it up and it hung one fang in one of his fingers. And before they got him to the hospital, his arm was so swollen that the skin was beginning to split. A lot of people don't know this, but a baby rattlesnake is born with a full load. And uh, just one thing caught him in the finger. The sentence was that he would probably lose his arm. Then as things improved through prayer and through the best treatment that they could give, it gradually got better and better to where they said, well, uh, you'll probably lose the finger. And he played the guitar. He liked playing the guitar. And they said, well, he'll never be able to play the guitar again. And it finally came down to the point where he was completely healed. With nothing more, if I understand this right, nothing more than when it gets cold, that finger gets numb. Is that right? He's lived his whole life until recently when he passed away. He lived his whole life for the Lord. I wonder this morning as we think about things like that and think about these ten leprous men, if it might not spark something in our hearts to say, have I really thought about the life that the Lord has given me? Have I really thought about the debt of gratitude that I owe him? And have I returned in kind for what he's done for me? There's something in that that is very rich and very powerful if you stop and think about it. And this is not some story that I'm making up. It's very clear in Jesus' reaction to the one that returned and gave him thanks and praised him. It's very clear by Jesus' reaction that it, was, that it was expected because Jesus said to him, where are the nine? Wasn't there any more that knew what they should be feeling than this one? And along that line, I want to talk to you this morning because uh, my objective is not to dwell on the negative part, but on the opportunity part. Because so often we 
we do not look past the experience that we're having to see that the experience is meant to serve as an opportunity. It was an opportunity for all ten of those men to get a fresh start. Anybody ever wish that you could start life over again? Oh, come on now. Yes. To start life over again with what you know now, maybe that would be a better question. I think I regained you that with that question. Well, I'm sure I'm sure that we all have. If the calendar could be rolled back 2000 years and we could be part of that 10 leprous group, how would you react? What would your choice be in having Jesus turn your whole life around and free you from anything that might be uh, hindering you or holding you back or making you feel like you were being held captive by it. If you could be completely free from sickness, from family problems, maybe drugs, maybe alcohol, any particular thing, if you could have your life to start all over again and be free to choose again what you were going to do, what would you do? What choice would you make? Jesus expected, and rightfully so, expected them to be so grateful, so thankful for what he gave them in giving them back their life that they would come and give thanks to him. Now, it wasn't for his ego's sake. He doesn't need and didn't need then to have his ego stroked like a lot of us do. He knew who he was, and he knew that he was giving them a new life. I want to challenge you this morning to think about this. If you're a Christian, you've been given a new life. Have you decided that that new life was to fulfill your aspirations, your desires? Or have you stopped to think that maybe you should come back to Jesus like the one leper and say, Lord, I'm so grateful. What do you want me to do? What would you have me to do? Because I really believe that every person that's born again is in that same set of circumstances. And if you haven't discovered the tremendous miracle that takes place when you receive Jesus Christ, the tremendous dynamic spiritual transformation that takes place when you receive Jesus Christ, you're missing what you were born to experience. Think with me about that as we go on. Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 at a time when there were only five loaves and two fish. And it was an outstanding miracle. Somehow or other, in the process of all this happening, the disciples who had been with him all this time had not learned something that they were supposed to get. They had not seen him 
as the, the Son of God. They accepted the miracle, but they had not really caught the picture of what was really happening with Jesus. And so what did Jesus do? The next thing was he sent them to the boat to go over to the other side of the lake. And what he did, because he knew the storm was about to take place, he sent them for a stormy boat ride. And the word tells us in Mark the 6th chapter, verse 48, they, had, they did not yet understand what was going on. So that's why I think, and you can call this philosophizing, that's why I believe that they had to go through that storm. Now, you put yourself in that picture. What do you do? Of course, you sweat a little bit. You get scared. You're afraid. But in my mind's eye, not having to go through that storm, but looking to what was ahead for them, Jesus was endeavoring in the storm that he sent them through to help them discover something that would make their life so different, so powerful, so effective, that they would never be the same. It's one thing to have a religious experience. It's another thing to have a spiritual transformation. And being born again is, in truth, a spiritual transformation. It's not something that you just go through while your mind is somewhere else. You can go through that without even having to think about it. The kind of life that Jesus Christ gives to the person who is born again is an entire transformation it's intended to be a new life a fresh start a way of getting past those things that were roadblocks hindrances and problems now think with me about this when they saw him walking on the water when he came in the boat and stilled the tempest, the word says they were immediately at the shore and the storm was over. That same thing can be true for you today. And I'm not just making this a, a highfalutin philosophical uh, sweetening of the story. Christ makes the difference. And I know that for a fact because my wife and I have faced a number of things and he's always been there for us. Perhaps the wind and the waves for you has been something that's caused you to resort in, uh, to fear, to question the Lord, to question his intentions. The scripture says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for evil. When you have doubts about what God's intentions are for you, don't judge his intentions on the basis of what you're experiencing. Judge on the basis of what he says. And line that up with the direction your life is going. Line that up with his promises. And you'll find that what he allows you to go through, whether it's sickness, whether it's pain, whether it's pain, 
whether, whether it's trouble of any kind that you can experience. What he allows you to go through has an objective, if you look for it, that it's good. The choices those nine made took them in a direction away from what God's plans were. Some people talk about the perfect will of God and the permissive will of God. I think there's only one, and that's the perfect will of God. Some people interpret them living in a permissive will as though that's something that God has chosen. I don't believe that. I think that when God expresses his will, that's his perfect will. And anything outside of that is not his will. We so often try to write into the contract terms that uh, we want. The Lord says, go this way, and we say, well, can I spend a little time over here? He says, that's not the right man or the right woman for you to marry. Well, can I marry her anyway? I like her. She's so pretty. Or he's so handsome. God says, that's not the person. Wait. And because we don't wait, we have such a high divorce rate today. Think with me about these things. Is it all right to just go on and go in our own way? Or should we stop and really evaluate what our situation and circumstances are and say, Lord, I am so grateful for the life you've given me. Lord, I want to serve you. What is your plan? Where are you leading? What do you want me to do? How many of you believe that God has designed something special for your life? Would you... I won't ask how many believe that you're experiencing it. But I want you to think about that. Uh, I'm under the gun of time here, so I need to move on. daughters gave me a new Bible and I said does that mean you expect me to preach better and they said well it won't hurt <laughs> and so I'll, I'll uh, try to do my best on that one of the things that this passage this story speaks to us about is it tells us to use our challenges to achieve his goals and when you stop and you look at where you are right now, and by faith you look through that beyond it, I think you'll see that whatever you're experiencing, there's a silver lining. There's something there that God has for you. Don't miss it. Romans 8.28 says an interesting thing. It says, And we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. If you want all things to work together for good, plug in. 
Get your life lined up with the Lord so that you're walking in his way. Walking in fellowship with him. It starts by coming back to him like that one leper did and saying, You're Lord. You're God. You're the answer to my life, and I need your help. Lord, help me. And he will. He won't turn his back on you. Just another thought, and I'll be through. A thankful heart keeps me going in the right direction and helps me choose the right crowd to be a part of and spares me from having to go through things, the unthankful experience. Romans 1.18 gives you a list of things that happen in lives that are not grateful, that have no recognition of the Lord in their life. It's not pretty. But that's not God's will for our life. And it's not that he sends those things on people. It just simply is learning to recognize where the blessing of God is coming and moving so you can experience it. It's kind of like a rainstorm in Albuquerque. You can get a gully washer on the west side and not get a drop on the east side. Some people say about uh, the rain that we get here. I've often talked to them about it this way. I said, well, it was either a three-inch or a six-inch rain. They said, what do you mean? And I said, not by accumulation, it's between drops. (laughs) And that frequently is what it's been. Right now, we need lots of rain, don't we? And right now, if the truth were known... We all could stand a fresh touch from the Lord because of life and its challenges and the things that come our way and the fear of things that might possibly be coming our way. We don't know what the political situation is going to bring on our country. We don't know. Uh, If you lived in California, you might say, I don't know whether I'm living where an earthquake fault is going to open up and swallow up my house or not whether part of the land I live on is going to slide into the ocean. There are all kinds of things that people fear. Let me tell you this. When you've got the Lord on your side, he will help you to work with those things, whether it's pain, whether it's great questions, whether it's difficulty. He'll help you to work with that and turn that thing into a blessing. He will do that. He will do that. Right now, my wife is facing a new challenge. When we first heard about the medical report, it was pancreatic cancer, which uh, is considered to be an automatic death sentence. As we prayed, the doctor called her back, few days later and he said it's not the kind that's the death sentence it's a rare form of pancreatic cancer that can be treated and so we're waiting for a final report on what to do 
She's been through several things that have been a, really a challenge on her life. A few years back, she collapsed in my arms in California. And had I left the house five minutes earlier, she wouldn't be here today. She stopped breathing for two full minutes. And in that period of time, I was totally devastated, totally awash with the what-ifs and the maybes. And all I could do was call on the Lord and say, Lord, help me. And the thought came to me, give her CPR. And after I breathed into her mouth twice, she started breathing again. She went through serious surgery, recovered from that, until recently has been cancer-free. What do we say right now? All things work together for good to them that love God. And I say to you this morning, no matter how bad things are, no matter how bad they have been or will be, it's not nearly what it could be without the Lord. It's got to be better with him. Don't make the wrong choice and just decide, well, I got this from God. I'm going to go do my thing now. Turn around and see what he has for you. It's always better. Father, as we conclude this time together this morning, our hearts are gladdened by all that are here today and gladdened by the word that says so clearly you love us and you won't forsake us. And if we put our lives in your hands, you will take our mixed up, messed up lives, our confusions, our hurts, our pains, our unforgivenesses, our memories, Lord, all of those things you'll wash with your precious blood and you'll make a major turnaround in our lives. Help us, Lord, to recognize the importance of giving you praise, of recognizing your mighty hand upon our lives and not to turn our back on you and decide to go our own way, but to make sure that we've made the proper acknowledgement that we've surrendered our lives to you and are on the right track. I pray in Jesus' name.
I know that there are a number here today who have not been a part of this church and perhaps you feel a little bit awkward. But if you sense the tug of the Lord on your heart, you sense that you need to get some things taken care of, this is not just a faith chapel God that we're talking about. It's the Lord of the universe. It's the Jesus who died on the cross for all of us that's speaking to us through his word and that's calling us and expecting us to come to him. Will you sing it once more? And if you feel that you should come, come on. Only be you and keep you. The Lord make his face to smile upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we dismiss you all and pray God's richest blessings upon each one of you. Thank you for coming and the Lord give you a wonderful day. God bless you. You're dismissed.